figure out what the world needs. Like, what do you need? And heal yourself and go, go do that. Like be, be open to the experience. None of us have it all figured out. So just embrace the unknown. Um, say yes to your adventure. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action, sports, culture, and more. What's up, and welcome to episode 80 of Life in Motion. I've got Marissa Frazier with me, who's the Missouri Conservation Program Coordinator at the Missouri Sierra Club, a certified combo practitioner, and a triathlon coach. Um, as you can see, there's obviously a lot of topics we're going to get into here, so I'm excited to get into them. But um, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so before we get into everything that I kind of just mentioned, let's start off with, um, you know, who you are, where you're from, kind of what led you down this this life path? Yeah, um, so like I said, I'm Marissa Frazier. I am an Ozarks native. I've been here my whole life, went to Nixa, um, and then very recently uh, we just celebrated with my family the five generations in the Ozarks. We've had a century farm, so I'm as local as you can get, pretty much. <laughs> That's awesome. I spent one year at SLU. Um, other than that, I've always lived in the Springfield area. So, yeah. Um, gosh, how I got into this. Wow. Um, I guess I'll start at the, the beginning of my memory banks. I've always <laughs> been into that type two kind of fun. Yeah. Um, been on the swim team. I swam at Drury, the Springfield Aquatics program growing up. Okay. Um, somewhere along the way, I just found that I really enjoyed running. And all through junior high and high school, um, I'm just naturally a pretty competitive person. So um, anything I could do to get faster, uh, I was doing it and training a lot. And um, yeah, that led me towards my college years where there was a lot that happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. So was it like trail trail running and that kind of stuff cross country or is it more just like, you know, getting on the pavement and just going or what was? Well, I lived really close to the Nixa uh, cross country course. Okay. So I, a lot of times would just stay after school or I would just walk from my house and go up there. It started out as a kid. I would just like to go swing. Um, but then, you know, swinging over the, the cross country course, I was like, oh, I started running. And it was a great stress reliever. Um, I found that it really helped with my focus in school, and I was a one of those super nerd, like perfectionist yeah. types. So I was like, "Well, anything I can do to get better grades, too, like, I'll do it." <laughs> well, extra encouragement there, you know, to stay on on board with all that. That's awesome. So, um, so you kind of had that kind of growing up. Obviously, growing up here um, in the Ozarks, a lot of outdoor stuff. So once um, I guess what 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 happened during your college years as far as like kind of continuing I guess that that journey. Yeah, I so I started out at St. Louis University. Um, I had a cross country and track scholarship, but I was already dealing with injuries towards the end of high school with okay. running um, and not necessarily fueling properly and um, just really going super hard on myself and. In college, uh, that first year, it was just very frustrating because I kind of went from like big fish, small pond to like average fish, big pond. <laughs> and um, it, it really took a toll on my mental health, honestly. Like I had to go through that whole identity crisis of like, I am no longer the, the runner who's setting school records or anything like that and um, just couldn't get my body healthy. So 
I had to deal with a lot of that shadow stuff that um, I had never looked at before. But all that to say, um, I ended up, I, I was swimming a lot on my own there um, just to stay healthy. But I ended up transferring to Missouri State to study exercise and movement science. Okay. Um, ultimately with the purpose of how to not get injured. Yeah. So, well, you know, you got to yeah. learn. That's one way to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. I had that motivation that with the, the fire, I was like, well, what am I missing here? Um, so, yeah, it really took me in a whole new direction because I didn't have an exercise science program up at SLU. And as far as I knew, they didn't even have like an outdoors program. I'm sure they do now. Um, but Missouri State, that's where I they had like this indoor rock wall and this outdoor adventures program and getting into that. Plus I was on the swim team at Missouri state. It, it totally just started to change my perspective on it and everything. And I had been a road runner up until that point okay. I ran cross country, but I didn't go for like trail runs. Um, and then outdoor adventures got me into rock climbing and spending time in nature. And I was studying exercise science and all these healing properties of nature and I was like, well, you know, that sounds kind of interesting and started spending some time in Arkansas. And um, that was really a turning point. I met some amazing friends through the Outdoor Adventures program that changed the course yeah. of my life. That's awesome. So what, I, I mean, you know, kind of said it, or you mentioned it wasn't really until you came back to Missouri State and then got involved in running there and that kind of stuff, and then got into the Outdoor Adventures program. So what was it like specifically about the outdoors? You said you kind of picked up rock climbing around that time and some other activities. What was it that, like, drew you to those activities opposed to, you know, just running or, or whatnot? I think originally it was just, like, going to the Missouri State Gym, which they have an amazing fitness center, and then seeing these people climbing this indoor rock wall. Like, oh, that looks interesting. And... <laughs> I always like to try new things. Um, and then there were, I eventually got a job there. Um, and then we would do little trips on spring break and things like that. And um, just going on these trips out in nature, not really knowing why I was doing it, but there's yeah. just something very intriguing about it. Um, and then, of course, the the rock climbing trips to Arkansas with the friends that I was meeting, just spending those weekends in nature and just like getting an awesome workout yeah. like climbing these walls and hiking but in a way that didn't even feel like oh i'm pushing myself through an eight mile run yeah like there was it was fun the air was cleaner there's <laughs> just something about the ambiance or the way i connected to it that um was a lot more fulfilling than all these just like really hard training i'd always been pushing my self through for the sake of just like meeting a certain time standard or something like that okay that's awesome and it's kind of yeah the kind of that, that difference between the two where it's kind of you know competitive in that way like you said with the running versus kind of it's a you kind of do whatever you want out if you're out on the trail climbing or whatever so um so obviously kind of progressed with that got got really into it so sort of what was the, that next uh progression if you will well, the studying the exercise science um, and then learning how to combat injury, I was very intrigued by the research that we were seeing about the therapeutic benefits of nature um, and also about yoga and mindfulness. And so I started practicing yoga um, at the same time, I mean, strictly for the, the injury preventative side yeah. of things, like you just, you got to stretch and do range of motion and that kind of thing. 
and I started working as a personal trainer. Um, and with my clients, I was just seeing like, it was just like limited range of motion and they were just getting really tight and pent up that that ultimately was like my walk into the yoga okay. realm. And then I went through yoga teacher training and all of that. Um, so it, it was a slow walk into more of the, the mindful side of life through, I, but I was coming through the lens of like this super scientific brain. Like I love all this research that supports the, the properties of nature and um, all of that. So it, it got me into this world of more of the, the right brain, the feeling of like, oh, this feels great. Like I am happier. I'm more content. I feel more fulfilled. This time in nature feels very therapeutic. Um, all because I was starting to do this mindfulness type of practice. That's awesome. So what was the most like, you know, when you said you kind of start reading about the benefits initially from that, what was like the most, or was there like something that like stood out to you the most before like actually getting into it like you did? Like as far as like something you read maybe or, and then maybe you read some some study about X and then when you actually did it yourself, like, oh, well, that totally makes sense. It's, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, I'm... I think, I mean, total transparency, I had read um, a few different articles and I was dealing with a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety going through college and just like not really knowing my path. I knew, I always knew I wanted to help people. I was working in the hospital. Um, I didn't necessarily know the right avenue to go about that. But so there was something really intriguing about just like being able to help people through it. But I was also dealing with a lot of fibromyalgia and learning because it's not something that there's necessarily a Western like approach to like, this is the cause, this is a solution. And I was like, well, there's gotta be something more to this. Like, why is my body feel like it's revolting against me? So through this mindfulness practice and learning and kind of studying like, oh, stretching and breathing and stress reduction can really help on the physical level as well like it didn't connect initially it took me years to really understand yeah, how okay. that connected but that was probably my um the biggest draw was like oh i want my body to feel good like i don't want to feel stressed all yeah. the time it's a good way to be or not to be i should say yeah <laughs> that's cool and that, that that totally makes sense i sh could probably use some yoga in my life honestly with the two little kids running around and everything but you know that's a, that's a different conversation <laughs> yeah um so, so, so obviously you kind of got into that, did the, um, yoga instructing and kind of that, like, I think you, you mentioned that, right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so what, what was kind of the next, um, the next step? Well, I guess I can point to probably three succinct experiences that really like altered the course of my life. A couple of them were in college. So I did this, I just kind of on a whim, one of my friends had, I, I was in a, a funky place mentally and I was like, I don't know what I'm working towards. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> like the, every college kids, like existential crisis. <laughs> and, um, one of my friends was like, well, what are you training for these days? And it was after, um, I had kind of gone through that identity crisis. Like, am I an, an athlete? Like, am I, can I still do this at this high high level and high standard that I always hold myself to and it was in that moment I was like well I don't know what I'm training for anymore like there was kind of just these couple gap years and um it was actually the owner of the Fleet Feet story he's like what what are you doing these days and I was like well hmm what an idea <laughs> like what should I train for 
And um, there was a group of local people that were going to go out to that boulder, half Ironman, the next summer. And I was like, oh, there's got to be that. <laughs> and then I just thought about it for like a day. And I was like, okay, sign up. <laughs> Commit. <laughs> yep. So full send, started actually having something to train for. And that was really the like lift I needed. Just something that was beyond my reach. Something I couldn't just do tomorrow. Yeah. And um, it got me, you know, just to get up out of bed, have a goal to work towards. And that was the summer before I graduated. And that was just really, um, I remember crossing that finish line like, oh, wow, like this, this whole goal setting and pushing yourself to do things and get into that type two kind of fun. Like, yeah, this is my speed. These are the things that really keep me on track. And that was a real turning point for me. It just gave me a lot of like, momentum coming out of college and then a few months later uh, one of my good friends was really into filmmaking and so we had found this boulder adventure film festival and i'd already learned that i loved that city from going out there for the triathlon um, so a few months later in the fall of 2016 we went out for the the adventure film festival and it just opened my eyes to like oh all sorts of new perspectives. So I had never, number one, I had never learned about climate change before okay. going to Colorado. Like, I don't know why that wasn't included <laughs> in any of my schooling education. I was a little bit mad about that. Um, but learned about like the adventure lifestyle and just these people doing such amazing things and activism, just the, the culture out in Boulder is really inspiring. Um, so I remember <laughs> driving home like just with all these new realizations and perspectives just like whoa my life has changed <laughs> forever <laughs> and it was after that that um i learned about patagonia and okay. the mission going on there from the founders of patagonia the company and the founder of the north face and they were best friends they climbed together and all those mountains there and they were on a mission to preserve protect all these national parks down there and just really preserve like one of the most the last remaining wild spaces in the world and i was just so inspired by that movement that i learned about in the films i was like i gotta go so <laughs> uh, you know I, I maybe was a bit impulsive you know but, but you, you're done with school you know you gotta make some impulsive decisions so yeah. that's good so I just, I booked, did a little bit of research and booked a ticket um, and packed a backpack and flew down there like right after I graduated and um, spent a month just like hiking around. I'd do like four day treks up in the mountains and then kind of come back down and stay at hostels and reload on supplies and go back out in the mountains. That's awesome. And I had, so keep in mind, I would never do this in the States, but I was hitchhiking there and I had done some research and it's just like, a, it's a very backpacker culture. That's just kind of what people do. Okay. Um, just farmland and rural sheep farmers. And um, it, from the research that I had done, I felt okay doing it. And it was honestly the best decision <laughs> I had ever made because I ended up uh, traveling with a Chilean family for a week and after that, um, I got picked up from or by these uh, recent graduates from Stanford who had studied 
environmental politics and like food systems and agriculture and environmental economics and just all this amazing inspiring stuff and then we also had picked up a environmental engineer from Italy and and a rock climber from Israel <laughs> it was the five of us just crammed yeah. in one car for like get the crew together yeah <laughs> And we were just traveling along. It's just one main road that connects all these super remote regions of Patagonia. And I remember, like, we were trapped for, like, four days in this monsoon. The ferry couldn't get there to pick up the car. And we had to get across via ferry to continue on this road. But for four days, the monsoon was just so heavy that we were just stuck there. Like, we had our tent and we had the car. <laughs> and and a bunch of mold wine and <laughs> all that fun stuff. So um, we really got to know each other and just kind of talk about like, I, I knew in that moment I had already been working as an exercise physiologist and a personal trainer. And I really loved making a difference in people's lives. And exercise is a great way to help improve people's lives upstream like it's not not like the work i was doing working in the hospital i was caring for people after all these health yeah. problems had already hit them um but i i knew there's a way that i could have an even larger impact so that was kind of the the turning point was in that four-day monsoon um getting really <laughs> uncomfortable really wet <laughs> just like Number one, I learned um, to never, ever complain about rain again in my life. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Most of us have no clue what. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing that came out of that was just the time to just really, like, internally kind of dive into, yeah, I, w I know I want to make a larger impact. I see the work that just a couple of individuals have done to keep these dams off of these amazing Patagonia rivers. They were free flowing because of the grassroots activism that was happening there. And because the, just a couple of organizers motivated a lot of people to raise their voice and push back against these dams and um, to preserve all these national parks. And talking to these people who I was traveling with, um, just my, my head was spinning with ideas like, what do I do? And that was when I knew to have a larger impact, even though I had just spent four years studying exercise science, um, that activism was going to be my, my path. So, so, yeah. at, so at that time, obviously that was a big realization for you and you sort of got a taste of it at that festival before obviously going there. But do you think, you know, cause you mentioned like, five different people, including yourself, I think, that, that were in that car and stuck in the same place. And, you know, obviously they were all uniquely exactly what you experienced at the, the festival and the reason you want to go there in the first place. So do you think if, do you think you would have became as passionate about it if, the, if there was like four different people in that car, you know, you know what I mean? That weren't like on that path that you obviously are passionate, passionate about now, but do you think like, I guess what I'm saying was there any like fate in, involved in that? Because I mean that seems kind of crazy that it so happens that not only you pick up all these different individuals, but you get stuck here for so long, so you're with them. So obviously conversations happen natu nat naturally, um, 
but I just wonder, do you think it would be different if it was like four other people, if it was like, I don't, I don't know, a mathematician that was there visiting for some reason and, you know, whatever, I don't know. Quite possibly. I mean, I may have gotten very interested in mathematics, but I don't know that it would have necessarily fulfilled my, like, just that internal search for, like, how do I make the largest impact, do the greatest good in the world? And I probably would have learned a lot of cool new things. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think there was definitely an element yeah. of fate in that. Well, that, that's, that's something I, you know, sometimes, you know, the right, you're at the right place for the right time for, you know, exactly what your dreams are, what you think your dreams are at the time, you know, and, and it kind of works out that way. So um, that's why I was just curious because it's kind of cool how that kind of all sort of aligned in that sense. Um, so, so after kind of getting that full on experience there, um, what what happened after like what was that next step to kind of like okay i know what i want to do i know how who i want to impact how i want to impact but you know knowing that versus doing it is different or knowing how to do it i guess maybe even so what was yeah it was um it was kind of a long road to figure out exactly how i can act in a very efficient way but I had, I'd asked those folks that I was traveling with, like, well, what should I do? Where do I get started? They're like, well, do you have a local Missouri Sierra Club chapter? I don't know. I've never even heard about this Sierra Club. <laughs> um, they're like, you should go see. And so whenever I got home, I just Googled until I found a page and then found some email addresses and just started emailing everybody like, hey, I want to volunteer. What can I do? And started attending the the local uh, group meetings and pretty much just sat in sponge mode for about two years just absorbing yeah. as much information as I could and in that time I read um, Yvonne Chouinard who's one of who's the founder of Patagonia okay one of the ones that did all this uh, conservation work down there um, he has written a book um, called let my people go surfing which is just basically how one person is completely transformed like business yeah. uh, culture and I was really impressed with that um, and all the good work that their company is doing and then he also has a book uh, tools for grassroots activists okay so both of those were like this is what's possible <laughs> this is how we're implementing it and this is like this is what this you is, can do <laughs> that's awesome so what what is the Sierra Club exactly so it is an environmental advocacy organization it started whenever John Muir took Teddy Roosevelt out to Yosemite and was like, hey, look at these lands. These are amazing, right? And Roosevelt's like, yeah. And he's like, let's protect it. Let's create national parks. So that was the first okay. national park. And that's how it got started. And it has expanded into like our four uh, North Star visions of advancing climate solutions, acting for justice, getting outside, and protecting lands, air, water, and wildlife. Um, so yeah, the, the mission statement is explore, enjoy, protect the planet. Awesome. So so then how, how do you go about doing that? I mean, obviously, you know, there's so many different layers of that, I, I, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but you know, obviously there's the wildlife, there's the plant life, there's cars, you know, there's pipelines, there's all, all those fun, fun things. So it, is there a certain thing that you that you focus on that hey we can't do all this so we're going to focus on this or is it kind of more like a broader brush and like what 
I don't know, some examples, I guess, of what, you know, you all are, are doing or, um, you know, to kind of fight against in a sense. Yeah, there's, there's so many different campaigns going on across the country at any given time. I mean, there's activists up in Alaska that are trying to preserve, like, those last forests from logging and mining and all of that. And then in Missouri, um, which is where I've always tried to focus my work on, because um, I feel like I'm kind of planted here for a reason. Um, and there's a lot of opportunity to protect our water here. Um, but there are, so like I, my coworker in Springfield is trying to get Springfield to 100% renewable energy. And we have um, volunteers and staff who really are like working on just helping bump up our energy infrastructure and use renewable energy and stop all this carbon pollution um, and stop subsidizing our own extinction. <laughs> um, and then my passion is protecting the water. And so within that, like, like you said, there's so many, so many things that we can be doing. We can be electrifying cars. We can be um, improving our energy efficiency in homes. We can be just keeping the water clean. And all of these movements are effective because they are volunteer led and they are locally driven. So I work with a volunteer um, in the St. Louis region. She realized that they are spraying pesticides just in the city for mosquitoes, just because basically because they've been doing it forever and they don't really know why. They did that. No. Yeah, the fogging. And so it's just like this is the kind of this is the way that these things happen. She realized, like, why are they just spraying these poisons like around the city? There's way more effective ways to get rid of mosquitoes. And she started kind of asking questions, going to city council meetings, getting her neighbors on board, and just from the ground up building this resistance and getting people to be like, I don't want you to spray poisons all over my yard. Because, I, I mean, there's a majority of them that don't know that's happening, right? You know? Yeah. And I, I kind of, uh, went down a rabbit hole that I could never come back out of, <laughs> of just like looking into all of these problems that are going on and all the damage that's happening around the world. And um, when, I mean, in Patagonia, seeing like, they, they have a book, Patagonia San Represas, and everywhere you go, like all the hostels, there's this book that's like Patagonia Now versus Patagonia with power lines if the dams were built and just like what it would look like. Oh, okay. So it's like a look into the future, almost that book. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it was just getting people on board with like, let's keep these dams out. Let's keep the, the ecosystem wild. And it, it was just looking so far into that. I mean, I couldn't come back from that, but I was, I was kind of angry. Like I was like, why are we treating the earth this way? Like we're, what we do to the water we're doing to ourselves. Our bodies are 60 plus percent water. Yeah. If you pollute the water you're it's coming back yourself. to you yeah <laughs> and i was i was just mad i was like how do we how are we treating people this way how are we treating animals this way the earth this way and i just you know i spent a little time where i was just very frustrated and i was like well being angry is not gonna do anything that's not what the world needs more of. plenty of people are angry so i was like well, how do i use this frustration as motivation and that was really my like my turning point i just allow enough of that knowledge of what's happening in to transmute it and turn it into fuel to propel me to do the activism stuff. Yeah. That's so 
I guess with your experience, because obviously, you know, the layers and layers of, of everything, you know, especially once you get into city council meetings and government and everything else involved, is there, I guess, do you find it that it's more common that the issue is that, you know, maybe people just don't understand or take the time to realize what they're doing? Or do you think it's more of, we've been doing it this way forever, so why change now? Or is there like an efficiency key point? Obviously not from your side, but from their side, as far as if it has to do with power or whatever that may be. Is there like a, a common thing? Or is it just like everybody's so kind of deep into their old ways that it's just hard to change that? quickly, I guess I should say. I think there's a, a number of factors that go into it. So a lot of people, you know, we have families and we are busy and just keeping up in this world is a lot just to stay on top of everything. And a lot of people at the end of the day are like, oh, I don't have time to do activism or they just don't even know where to start. Um, and they don't realize that just like little things, um, little shifts, voting with your dollar, things like that, going to the farmer's market versus shopping from a big corporation, those kinds of baby steps really kind of just set the balls in motion, yeah. um, kind of add momentum. But we're also kind of dealing with the industrial corporate narrative. Um, we're just inundated with all these advertisements of and even with like our food supply chain, I've gotten really into local food. And, you know, you hear all these talking points of like, it's way more efficient to feed the, the world with these concentrated animal feeding operations. And we're, if that were true, there wouldn't be people in our country starving, like the richest country on earth. Yeah. But it's ultimately creates a lot more waste and the concentration of waste is unmanageable and we're just kind of outsourcing our power, putting it all in the hands of these global corporations and kind of losing our, slowly losing our freedom that way. Um, so it's a huge problem when you look at it in its entirety. And I think that can be kind of disempowering to people like, well, it, it's, it's so messed up. I don't even know how to touch it. Yeah. But I think um, whenever people really bring it back to a local scale of like supporting their, their local organic farmers, or getting involved in their own city council meetings and just asking questions, like getting involved in like the the local bicycle um, boards, things like that. They're just like, let's get people on bikes. Let's improve their health over trying to move cars and places or um, just whatever it is, like the local city planning structure. Let's get more urban green space, things like that. Um, that's when people feel more empowered because you, you get to know the person who's yeah. making the decision over that versus trying to change things at the presidential scale. Yeah, that makes sense. So I've, I've lived in Springfield, I guess, seven or eight years now. Um, I moved here in like 2014. I'm not trying to do math right now. Anyways, um, and I've, I've noticed since I've been here, and obviously you've lived around the area your entire life, um, and are obviously kind of part of this force that's trying to make that change. But I've noticed kind of little little changes, like you said. So what what changes have you kind of seen, I guess? What kind of what kind of waves have you been able to make kind of during the time there and that you've kind of seen kind of progressing towards that way? I think um, around the world, a lot more people are just waking up to the fact that we are like paying for our own <laughs> extinction through this like impending doom of climate catastrophe. 
And um, I think just a lot of people are waking up to that and like asking like, are we running on renewable energy or are we still using that super outdated coal power <laughs> that pollutes everything and is, puts out toxic coal ash and all of that? Um, so I think our generation is just starting to take the reins and feel mm -hmm. a little more empowered to start just asking these questions. Um, I've seen the farmer's markets, especially, I mean, as terrible as COVID is, um, the pandemic really, I think, got people more in touch with things that are more important. Yeah. And like seeing the faults in our supply chain and the fragility of if one packing plant on the West Coast shuts down, like that's a ton of food that yeah. goes through there. And I think just seeing these shortages, people are starting to wake up to the idea of like, oh, we need to support our communities locally, like support our local artists, support our local organic farmers. Um, so I've seen the movement at farmers markets really expanding. Um, the renewable energy push, I think, is really expanding. And people got outside a whole yeah. lot more. Like our state parks saw just a, a massive increase in just visitors, people realizing that it's therapeutic to spend time in the outdoors. You can get your family together. It's a lot more safe. So I think the, the value of outdoor recreation, um, people, it just brought it into people's consciousness. Like, oh, this is great that we have these public lands. And we went from really having to push hard to protect these new state parks in Missouri to um, the governor recently just being like, oh yeah, here here's another state park. Yes, yes. Like, <laughs> this was many, many years of advocacy in the making to um, what seemed like this year. It's just like, oh, that's, that's not controversial at all. But for years, that was very challenging yeah. to secure their protection. That's what I was even brought on um, my job whenever I went from a volunteer to a staff person at the Missouri Sierra Club, um, it was, I was brought in essentially to protect these state parks because it was such a, a fight um, to get people to value public lands and just have free accessible places to spend time in nature. So, so what, so from, you know, you say protect them. Um, is that mainly like from them being sold to private people? Is yeah. that kind of like, is that the main like challenge there when it comes to like I said, protecting? Yeah. Um, just not, valuing um having a state park in your area to go and hike around or spend time outside um that there are uh legislators who try to sell them to private interests to do who knows what with it could be i mean it could be as innocent as a private landowner who just puts a gate around it and okay um all the way to like mining and yeah. uh, more damaging interest Interesting. And, uh, and to your point too, like, I, you know, I think I've probably said this a hundred times, not that anything, not that there's anything good about the whole COVID pandemic and all that stuff they're still dealing with now. But to your point, you know, even with me talking to people, it's either, oh, we started getting outside a lot more. Yeah, we haven't done this in years. And now like, there's no other option really, or at that point there wasn't. So yeah, we're, we're riding our bike again, kayaking, you know, whatever, walking, hiking, all that stuff. So it's, as as obviously terrible as that situation was like i almost feel like that might be the one kind of i, I hate even saying silver lining but i think you understand what i mean you know yeah. there's there's that one little thing where it, it kind of one got people outdoors again off the couch doing whatever um but also kind of that realization of hey now now we're out here and enjoying these things you know we need to 
do something to continue that, that we can continue doing that as well. So. Yeah, I think um, COVID was a, it was an opportunity for us to look at, like, if you look at any other species on this planet, when they're living out of balance with their ecosystems, something happens that regulates it. Like deer get plagues and all that kind of stuff. Like we are still a species. Yeah. And it was a real opportunity to look at, I feel, um, are we living in balance with our ecosystems? And are we plowing into our wilderness areas and exposing ourselves to more threats from um, viruses and parasites and all these kinds of things that are usually locked deep away into the wilderness? Things like that, that I think it was just a real opportunity for people to, if they used it right, they they did some inner contemplation, inner work, um, and thought about like, maybe um, these artificial structures and ways that we're spending our time aren't as um, sustainable or fulfilling. And I think people really just realized maybe it was due to lack of other things to do, but nature was refuge yeah. in that and spending time in, out, in the outdoors and really experiencing those therapeutic uh, benefits that you get whenever you're just amongst the trees and you're kind of surrounded by silence and flowing water like there's just something on a deeper level that that um, just kind of chills you out gets you a break from this chaos of the tv constantly telling you to doom and gloom <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah you got, you got the, the the physical aspect of it and then yeah the mental aspect of it as well um so to kind of keep on going with the whole nature side of things uh I know there's something really interesting that um, the the combo, as you say it. So I'm gonna talk about that a little bit because honestly, before uh, you know, when I asked to have you on here and stuff, I was like, "What? What is this?" And looked at like, "Okay." So I'll let you explain what it is and kind of it, and obviously it fits into the whole nature thing theme and everything as well. So yeah, um, it has been such a powerful, transformative catalyst for healing for me. And I kind of, I got into it because it just kind of dawned on me that to heal the world, you first have to heal yourself. Like I can't go out and try to change policy and change anybody else unless I'm also doing that inner work to heal myself and my own patterns. And whenever I really realized that, um, I kind of just started looking into just some different healing modalities. Um, of course, the yoga and the meditation was really powerful. Um, and I think is it's still just a solid platform that keeps me grounded and I think keeps um, me in a good headspace and good perspective on life. Um, but I, I did um, start, it, it kind of just naturally flowed my way whenever I was open to other modalities. Um, such as combo. So um, the first time that I had sat with combo is somebody um, from Omaha who's traveling through and I got connected with her and um, she served it to me. And, you know, even though it's a very uncomfortable experience during it, I felt such a reset and so much clarity after I had sat with it that I, I realized like, oh, this is going to be a part of my life. Like I, I'm going to be serving this to people um, because I just got so much 
benefit. Um, so kind of backing up to what it is, it's a, it's a secretion from the Phylomedusa bicolors, the Amazonian giant tree frog. And um, they, the tribes, we work with the tribes directly um, through the organization that I'm trained through. We pay the um, young men in the community to collect this secretion and then they dry it on sticks and they send it to us. And it is, these frogs are native and abundant in the upper Amazonian basin. And um, of course, ethical sourcing is really important to me, my impact on the world. So um, re feel very good about the organization that I uh, go through with it. But anyway, it's, um, it's rever referred to as like the great revealer, the great purifier. Um, and it's essentially like you use it hand in hand with conscious uh, coaching, the conscious combo where you're you're doing the inner work, like you are willing to look at these deep-rooted patterns that you have operated from out of, you know, it may have been um, a need or a safety, like, um, or coping mechanism or something that you have developed, like, early on in life that that pattern isn't necessarily serving you anymore. It really brings that stuff from the subconscious to the conscious mind and then the experience itself is a purgative. You're, you're symbolically just getting all this deep rooted gunk up and out. Um, but people, you know, I use it a lot more for this, this benefit of like the mindset and just the transformational like nature of like how I um, move in the world. I, I've healed a lot of mental and emotional stuff with it, but a lot of people strictly use it for the physical benefits. Um, so, so yeah. what are, so what are those? I mean, like, what is, I guess, what is, I guess, what is that experience like, I guess? And like, what are some of the, the benefits as well? Like you said, some of the physical ben benefits. Yeah. So the, the Amazonian tribes have used it for thousands of years um, for the, they call it like the hunting magic, but basically um, the peptides, the building blocks of proteins, it, it is full of at least 70 um, that they have found different peptides that have different biological functions in the body. But in the Amazon, the hunters would and still do use it um, before they go on like these multi-day hunts where they can run longer, sleep less, eat less. Um, their senses are more finely tuned. Um, so it's, that's one of the main uses that um, the Amazonian tribes have used it for. They've also used it for medicine, malaria, snake bites, fever. I mean, there's even um, stories about them using it for like behavioral correction. And then another main benefit that the, the Amazonian tribes will refer to is clearing what they call panema, which is kind of that like that cloud of bad luck or bad okay. juju or bad energy, like negative energy. Um, just kind of whenever you feel that like yucky, sticky feeling, that cloud around you, like they have a word for that and it acts on that energetic okay. level. So it's kind of hard for people um, used to our traditional system to wrap their head around that one. Um, but they, you know, it's a lot easier to kind of point towards the the peptide benefits. So there have been 
70 uh, patents lodged on the different peptides in it in the United States. There's a lot of ongoing research, um, especially in Italy right now. Um, they kind of refer to it as a fantastical chemical cocktail with um, you know extreme potential medical benefits. And of course, disclaimer, not claiming that it'll treat or replace any medical treatment. But those peptides um, have have shown a lot of benefit. It's kind of like bee venom therapy where everybody's like, oh, that's really woo-woo. Like, why in the world would you use bee venom therapy and for a long time? And now it's FDA approved like, yeah. for anti-inflammatory. But that that's a peptide compound okay. that is what provides those benefits. Um, so the peptides in combo have been used to help treat depression, chronic pain, fever, infections, diabetes, parasites. Um, a lot of people use it to help with addictions and substance dependence. Um, one of the friends I trained with, she was using it to clear uh, lifelong Lyme disease. Um, and then also just like chronic fatigue, things like that. Interesting. So, so I mean, is it is it something that, you know, you... Um, I think it's a little bit different how you take it. I mean, it's almost like a, I don't know if tattoo is the right word. I was just looking at a couple things, but it, you know, so once you do that, is it, I guess, does it stay in your system for a long time or is it like kind of a, you know, if the, like you mentioned, you know, you had a friend that was treating it for, or using it to help with Lyme's disease. I mean, it was like a regimented thing almost to do it to kind of push, push Lyme disease out or whatnot, or like. Yeah. So whenever she arrived to the practitioner training with me. Um, she was still kind of unable to walk without a walker and she was in a lot of pain. And by the end of that practitioner training where we went really deep with the medicine, we did like um, a really intensive treatment and then a special treatment where by the end of that, like we went hiking together and she was just like scrambling up and down these rocks, like just... <laughs> amazing and it was like the first full week that she really spent without a walker since really? she was six years old and diagnosed um and i mean she'd been working with it up till that point and um you know she eats really healthy she does all the things that she's supposed to do but um it was just really like that was amazing to watch because yeah. i was using it for a different set of benefits and seeing how she was just clearing something that she'd been dealing with for her whole life um was quite amazing to experience yeah that's super that's super interesting um like i said obviously no, nothing that i really know much about kind of those those things but you know i i totally believe that there are way many uses for all the all the animals and plants and all the stuff that we have that have these different healing properties almost you know rather than whatever name you can't pronounce that comes up on the TV screen for, you know, yeah. some kind of random medicine. So it's cool to hear that, that kind of story along with that as well. Um, so do you, so do you do, I guess, do you, um, not prescribe, prescribe isn't the word I'm looking for. Do you give it to people? Uh, yeah. Facilitate. Or, facilitate. Um, yeah, there we go. I'm a combo practitioner. So, um, that's something that I have to do in person because it is, it's applied through um, a series of superficial burns um, called gates where it moves through the lymphatic system and kind of circulates through the body. 
So, um, you know, we have the in-person session and then I provide the uh, integration coaching as patterns are coming up and people are seeing things in a new way. Um, they, I can do that virtually or however, but um, I, you asked, does it stay with you? And even though the experience itself only lasts like 20 to 40 minutes uh, for a single session, the benefits come the next day, the next week. Like I feel benefits months out. I just feel clarity. Like I feel lighter, um, just generally more joyful. Um, and that, that lasts for quite some time. It's known to even like with the immune system, things like that. Um, if I use it just a, a few times a year, um, ever since I started working with it, I just haven't gotten sick. Really? That's interesting. And so can you kind of like feel, I guess, when it's worn off almost like after those months or weeks or whatever, like, hey, it's time to maybe do this again. And you're like, is that, is it, do you kind of get that feeling or? After um, a few years of kind of working with it um, and doing the practitioner training, I think I've kind of developed a, like a degree of intuition around that, um, that sometimes just like, Oh, okay. Like it's, it's time to work with it again. Um, I think sometimes it just aligns where people schedule whenever they, um, or, you know, something might shift inside of them and then they're all of a sudden just open to trying something new. Um, so it depends, uh, on the person and if, you know, if they have something really specific that they're trying to work through, um, sometimes we'll do like a smaller, uh, period of time, a little bit more like an intensive session. And some people are just like, Oh, I'm curious. I'll try that once. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Like I said, I never, never heard of it before, but, um, that, that one kind of success story, if you will, have you, do you, are there any other stories kind of within that, that, um, you know, like your friend that, you know, w without a walker or whatnot for a week or then other kind of things since you've been, been a practitioner of it, um, something that's like, I guess, really surprised you or? Um, I've seen a lot of people really work through like depression. Um, that's always been really inspiring to see. Um, and also I've seen several people work through like long running addictions or addictive tendencies, um, where all of a sudden they just kind of got clarity on like what it is in their life that they're avoiding through that okay. and, um, facing that with courage and, um, kind of going through this pattern work of like, okay, this is a pattern that I developed for some reason. And now I know it doesn't serve me. So I want to replace this pattern. So I've seen just like those kind of transformative benefits um, and just people who just feel more free, like they just step more into themselves. And, um, you know, I, a lot of times I've seen just people who like coming out of that are like, well, I think I just want to eat healthier now like it just kind of is like a catalyst for making those better changes like there's something very symbolic about the the discomfort of the experience that people are like okay I'm doing the work yeah you know, like I'm implementing this I'm going to integrate this into as I say like integrate this medicine work into a game living yeah that's awesome. So, um, and then the, so the last part of kind of what are, uh, I know you're also a triathlon coach, which I think is 
um, obviously interesting to know your story where you're, you kind of grew up running and doing all that stuff and obviously where you're at today. So just what, what is that? What, what made you want to, to do that coach people and, and kind of, um, for that specific thing and what, what's that like? Well, I had, I was invited to be the jury, uh, women's triathlon assistant coach whenever I was still working as an exercise physiologist, teaching a lot of fitness classes and I really love just helping people um, feel more confident in their bodies, improve their health. And so I, and I knew I really liked um, just working with um, younger people, like in college, it's just such a fun age. Um, so whenever I was invited to um, help coach that team, there was kind of a series of events that went into making it feel very much like fate and like it was supposed to be um, what I was supposed to be doing. And so I was like, okay, yeah, sure, let's do it. And um, I've always really loved coaching swimming. That's always been like my, my passion. I, I talk a lot about water, the love of the water and um, swimming my whole life. My name even needs of the sea. And I think my mom knew what she was doing when she did that. But yeah, so I was like, okay, if nothing else, like this is just a whole bunch of developing a swim training program and um, working with these girls. And then um, I had, you know, done several triathlons. I'd been competitive um, all throughout high school and always really into running. Um, I was like, well, this would be a great opportunity for growth. Um, and I didn't necessarily know how to coach the the cycling side of it at the time, but, um, I was like, well, what a better, like what better opportunity is there to just really dive into like what goes into coaching from a really comprehensive standpoint. Like these are college age girls and I am doing all of this like meditation and mindfulness, like how to show up and make the world a better place. Um, I was like, well, why can't I integrate that with yeah. like how to get better at sport? Like they really care about getting fast. And I was like, but there's so much more to life. And so it's like, we can be really fast at swimming and running and biking, but also we can be great people and we can make the world a better place. And that has just been a dream come true to like have the opportunity to work with these girls and um, just, yeah, like empower young women. Um, and I'm consistently inspired by all of these girls on the team. They're, they all just have these amazing like attributes and skill sets that they bring together. And it, it's just so fun to watch them grow and yeah. <laughs> step into themselves. That's, that's cool that you've been able to find a way to kind of, like you said, kind of combine combine those things and um i'm sure it's rewarding too to obviously watch you know the girls you know get to that next level whatever that might be whether that's on the track or kind of that personal level kind of as you mentioned as well so that's that's awesome is there any um any any challenges with coaching for that as far as um the challenge is <laughs> me just trying to figure out how to uh successfully divide my time in a way that makes the most impact in the world and um so the challenge a lot of times is like whenever somebody's on the team and 
there's a conflict or something like that. And just like, how do we work through, the, through this in a really constructive way that empowers everybody involved? There's just been a lot of those little kinds of things that come up um, that it's just, there's not really a rule book yeah. for. <laughs> like there is no <laughs> script when it comes to coaching like a team like that. And sometimes it's like, I'm an adult, but sometimes I'm looking for an adultier and an adult in the room. <laughs> help, help. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, there's there's no rule book. Like, I literally just have to use my best uh, knowledge and experience to help navigate this life circumstance that this girl is dealing with. Um, so that that's a really cool opportunity to um, grow through. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So obviously you've had um, tons of, different experiences from traveling, getting stuck in monsoons to running, um, to learn about all, all the, the, the frogs and all that stuff and kind of the, the healing power of, um, of combo, if I'm saying it right. Um, so kind of with those experiences, I mean, it seems like you've been a pretty, um, open to new ideas kind of throughout your life and kind of, that's kind of how you led you down all these different paths. So what what would kind of be your piece of advice for um, someone, you know, maybe that is conservation or maybe that's learning about a new form of, uh, you know, medicine like that or being a coach or anything like that? Like, what would you suggest to them to kind of let, let the river flow? I don't know. That's why the one thing I wanted to say, I don't know if it sounds as good as coming out, but you know what I'm trying to say, kind of let them be free and kind of experience these different things and kind of get started with, you know, whatever ends up being that passion that they that they stumble upon. I really like what you said about let the river flow, you know, let, let life throw flow through you like, um, and be open to where, where you're being led, um, be open to that intuition. But I would say my, um, my advice would be figure out what the world needs. Like, what do you need? And, heal yourself and go, go do that. Like be, be open to the experience. None of us have it all figured out. So just embrace the unknown. Um, say yes to your adventure. Yeah. That's a, that's the perfect way. Perfect way to end it. I love it. Say yes to your adventure. Um, so where, where can people, and to that point, um, where can people find you online, find your adventure, learn more about the Sierra club, more, learn more about, um, combo and, and everything like that um you can find me i'm pretty active on the social media except for the occasional social media fast um you can find me on facebook marissa frazier um instagram um at ozark active is where i post a lot of the um just what's going on nature news adventures and then uh instagram at combo clarity or comboclarity.com um to learn more about that specific facet Awesome. Well, definitely um, check her out, learn more of that stuff. I'm, I'm sure, like I said, I, I learned um, some different things today. So definitely look into it. It, it. it is very interesting and it's cool to hear the stories behind all of it. And uh, and especially your your journey of how a monsoon kind of kickstarted that <laughs> in, a, in a way. You're going there anyways, but it could sound like it helped kickstart it. So thank you again. Um, and I wish you the best of luck in the new year. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life emotion. Until next time.